Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the private view of New 11. We've found three reasons to celebrate this evening. The first is to celebrate the ninth year of the annual new series. Over the last nine years, an incomparable body of new contemporary art has been created, and emerging Australian artists have been given the exposure and the recognition they deserve, both at home and abroad. The reputation of new and its influence on our contemporary art scene is now indisputable. The second reason we have to celebrate is that last Friday night here at ACCA, Neil Balnaves of the Balnaves Foundation announced that the Foundation will continue to support the new series with a most generous endowment of $350,000 over the next three years. Unfortunately, Neil could not be here this evening. He enjoyed the revelry on Friday, but I'm sure you will share our excitement and appreciation at the news. Of course, this new endowment will help ensure the future of the new series. It's most pleasing that people and organisations that have established relationships with ACCA have found these relationships to be so successful and productive that they wish to continue and expand on them. Since the Balnaves Foundation first became a presenting partner of the new series three years ago, ACCA has commissioned 24 significant original works by contemporary art and talented young artists. And that brings me to the third reason we have to celebrate tonight. In the past, New would present seven new works each year. This year, in New 11, we are presenting new works by 10 artists from all over Australia. More opportunities for young talent and more works to amaze us. My congratulations to guest curator Hannah Matthews and all of the artists in New 11 for their outstanding work. I'd like also to take this opportunity to thank our new hospitality partners who are supporting this evening's event with fine food, wine and beer. Damn Fine Food, Scotchman's Hill and Little Creatures Brewing. Ladies and gentlemen, it now gives me great pleasure to introduce ACCA's Artistic Director, Juliana Engberg, who will hold a discussion with Hannah Matthews and two of this year's artists, Justine Williams and Tim Costa. Thank you. Juliana. Welcome to yet another new. It's, it's um, just amazing to us, I think, that this is the ninth uh, in the series. Uh, it's so exciting to know that it will go on and that we have the security uh, of the Bell Naves money. It's, it's really um, amazing when people are so generous and step up. And certainly it has, I think, given us an opportunity to broaden the scope of new, uh, add new artists to that mix and to give curators a, a, a real sense that they can um, plan and, and with a certain amount of security try and, and strive for the ambitious outcomes that we have. 
Um, when, I, when I first invented new, it was very much in my mind that I wanted that to be a, an occasion for artists, of course, but I really also did mean new curating and new thoughts, and I think that every installation of new over the years has proven that uh, things change and things uh, mutate depending on which curator is uh, bringing their own kind of aesthetic and overview to the task. It was never my intention that it become a thematic exhibition, you know, such as like mortality, which brings things together to illustrate a theme or something of that sort. But, but it, it is always pleasing, I think, that a curator will bring a kind of uh, emphasis to the event. And, and over the several years, we've had um, Max Delaney, Geraldine Barlow, Anna MacDonald, Charlotte Day, uh, Rebecca Coates in tandem with some of us as well, and, and myself curating, and we now welcome Hannah Matthews to that alumni. And she did a great job. Congratulate her. <laughs> the new is a proposition I think that people want to grapple with as well. Uh, what is new? You know, um, I mean, I know that people in the industry are quite envious of our title. Pe people keep trying to steal it from us, adapt it. Uh, there are places that call things newer. Uh, we take this as a, as a great compliment, actually, uh, because we, we know in a certain way that they are referencing us and that they somehow think that, you know, in a way we're a slight pinnacle to address. Uh, and so, you know, we, we love the flattery of, of that inference. Uh, people have told me that, you know, uh, institutionally in our other states, they wish they'd thought of it first. Ha, they didn't. Uh, although, you know, it's not really a new idea. Um, you know, new is, is a perpetual kind of problem, in a sense. And I think one of the things that Hannah has really beautifully uh, crafted in, in the introduction to the catalogue, which will be out shortly, is just a little way into thinking about what might be new and how we might think about new these days. I think it's interesting, for instance, that we rarely ever hear the words avant-garde anymore. Avant-garde seems to have actually disappeared off the agenda, so to speak. The avant-garde was, you know, in military speak, of course, those people who were skilled soldiers who went forward to test the terrain, etc., and set a, set a new path. And in art, as it was adopted to our industry, they were those groundbreaking people who went boldly forward and, and tried to carve a different way of thinking and being uh, in art. And I think it's interesting that the avant-garde has kind of slipped off the page, as it were. And I think it's one of the characteristics of this new that we actually look at, uh, for want of a better description, perhaps uh, active redundancy, if I can phrase it that way. Uh, uh, Yes, well, Justine's nodding uh, very enthusiastically. Thanks, Justine, for that encouragement. Uh, it, it, it's, I think, very interesting that some of the strategies here actually look back to the old, which were once originally avant-garde and new, and actually rephrase them to try and see if they still have currency, validity, if they can sort of drive through the, the postmodern. Uh, thickness that we've experienced of late and, and see if we have still some way to go. There are therefore excursions into redundant utopias in this show. There are questions, I think, about 
new arrivals and, and an optimism that is perhaps the once deflated once we encounter the sort of resistance to the other. We have aliens. We really have an alien, actually, but uh, we have the concept of the alien and the, the, the foreigner, the people who are, you know, welcomed and yet deflected from a utopia. We have an avant-gardist kind of painting event which also has a, a halted, stalled kind of machine that was once used as a, a prop or a, as a metaphor for advancement, the bicycle, which is in this project here stalled and made inert in a fashion. Are we asking, therefore, is there any possibility for newness? Is there a need for it? Can we still, in fact, actually look back to ideology and think that it has something relevant for us today? That's a kind of heavy way of starting new, which is generally a rather light-hearted sort of event. Uh, we have optimism in the show in the form of the fleeting moment of happiness provided by Rebecca Beaumont's wonderful piece. You may never see it, but it promises to happen. And when those little things flutter down and eventually one day assemble themselves into a big yellow mass, we will go, ah, there it is. It will only last a minute. That's life. <laughs> that's, ha that's happiness. It's fleeting. And meantime, as we're waiting for that moment to occur, we're perhaps taking some small joy in the ever-changing environment of colours and the emotions that that attaches to. This is a lovely project, a, a wonderful kind of metaphor, really, I think. There's the redundancy and yet the sort of glitter effect of disco balls that are now have been made into more solid things and are less uh, broken down, are much more affirming in a fashion, and yet that's brought together with things that have, have holes in them and deflections and reflections which confuse our view. A neon kind of corner which is a whole and yet a solid. It's very interesting. The strategies of minimalism continue to provide us and provoke us um, considerably in this event. We have the fantastic work of Justine Williams, who is here. Please welcome her. The terrific work of Tim Costa, which was on, which we just turned off, but we will turn it back on for you a little bit later. Um, something that you can't see, but something that you will experience. In the room, we also have Fiona Abacar. I can see her down there with a tremendous project which moves between herself and two of the other participants in the show to question all sorts of things about theatricality and minimalism and display and fashion. Uh, imbibing all of those concepts of new. There are other artists here, Annie Wu, who's made a fantastic newspaper out of uh, the chronicles of a utopian group of Australians who wanted to create a new Australian in Patagonia. And what she's done is she's actually seized it from the, you know, nether regions of digital world and, and intangibility and she has created it as a tangible, collectible item. Please take one. You're more than welcome. The fantastic work in the front here by Mark, which is quite serious work and, and laden, I think, with some metaphoric messages that are important for now. Concerting together with Annie, perhaps talking to Greatest Hits work with the alien in the freezer, suspended in a kind of weird time. Between them, the paradoxical 
oasis of Dan Monaghan. It's a good show, Hannah. Well done. And it's new. It looks different to all the other news that we've seen before. What were you thinking about when you put it together? <laughs> what were we all thinking about? Um, what was I thinking about? I guess as many of these shows tend to come together, the starting point was not the end point and not what we see here this evening. Um, when I was invited by Juliana and Aka to curate New Eleven, I was really looking a lot at artists who were working with material and activating material. And I was thinking a lot about making and thinking and the relationship between making and thinking. I guess that's why there's a lot of colour and there's a lot of structure and activation throughout the show. But of course, over the, over the 12 months of inviting the artists to participate and talking with them about ideas for the projects they wanted to realise as part of New Eleven. And certainly in coming in here and installing the works over the past 10 days, all these crossovers emerge. And um, you know, certainly history and the sort of recycling or revisitation of periods of history and time and the slippages between time uh, have informed lots of projects that I've worked on, but they're very evident in this exhibition as they all come together. There was nothing outside of materiality, I think, that actually drew me or drew these artists together in the first occasion. But I think um, in the exhibition, as you've kind of outlined and covered, when it sounds kind of exhausting, and I feel very strongly that it's not an exhausting exhibition. There's lots of nice alternations of tone and colour and energy throughout the space, but um, this kind of questioning of contemporaneity and this return to various parts of history um, is very evident. And I think it's, it's a combination of questioning where we are by looking at alternate worlds and alternate lives, utopias, dystopias. As you said, there's kind of the dark and the light. I guess it's like a dream, isn't it? You have it and you only realise later on what you were actually dreaming about, yeah? I think, I think that is, you know, part of the curatorial thing in many ways. It's, I mean, people often, you know, ask you, how do you go about things and so forth? And look, in truth, I think sometimes there is a little bit of intuition in it. Oh, it's, it's not that we go out with a kind of pad and a pencil and go, I must get this and this and this. And often it takes some time, I think, for mm. it to really coalesce. Yeah. It's often you know, quite organic in many ways, and yet it is very interesting. I always think, curatorially, it's very interesting that when you bring it all together eventually in the context of the exhibition, it does reveal a lot of, you know, the traces of your thought. Oh, for sure. And you go, oh, sure. yeah, of course. Naturally, that triggers <laughs> that and that triggers that. And so, I mean, that's a very pleasing event, I think, in the curatorial yeah. work, really, when you actually begin to realise that that thing you were thinking about 18 months ago and that thing that you most recently thought about somehow comes, comes together. together. I mean, I, that's, that's an exciting thing. A, a very a perfect example, which only came to light two days ago, I was reading the front page of the New Australia anthology that Annie's put together. And the language in the front page, in the first column is actually repeated in Mark Hilton's, one of Mark Hilton's um, Sumpoil paintings. So there's a, lot of, there's a lot of crossover. And I guess, you know, the artists in New, there's 10 artists or nine artists in an artist group. And some of them I've worked with actually on and off, I guess, over the past several years. But there are two or three who this is the first occasion in which I've worked with them. And um, certainly with Fiona Abacare, I remember meeting in next door and, and talking about her work. And 
I guess intuitively, yeah, I did know that this was a sort of, I didn't know what the end point would be, um, but it was certainly a process and a practice that I wanted to learn much more about. And having 12 months in development for New was a really good opportunity to do that. I freaked you out a little bit, I know, when I said, Hannah, I think that it should have more people in it this time. Yeah, you did freak me out. And you went, oh, <laughs> really? Because normally we go kind of spatially, one thing, next thing, yeah. and so forth. But has that actually been an interesting thing to deal with, the idea that perhaps not everything will have that monumentality that I think, we often do yes. see in the new, yeah, break it down a little bit? I guess uh, that's the benefit of working on the ninth new is you have the hindsight of actually experiencing the other exhibitions and the artists and how the spaces are used. And certainly when you did ask me to include more artists, um, I had to really think about the strategies of how to incorporate all those artists into one space. But it's important to me, um, I wasn't so interested in sort of a stadium or um, kind of fixed room presentations of each artist's work. I mean, obviously gallery two, three and four lend themselves to this. But Gallery 1, I really wanted to retain a sense of the overall gallery and lots of things kind of happening within that. And while it's kind of darkness and tropical, tropicali, through to an open space, I think that that's achieved and that's important. And I really do believe, you know, with artworks, um, and Fiona's project is another good example. I mean, they're, on, they're presented next to other artworks and that, those kind of tensions that they create, um, which often you don't know about until they're in the space together, is very exciting and is part of their, you know, part of their potential. Yeah, I think Fiona's work is actually a really good example mm. of also. Um, I mean, she, you, you, where are you, Fiona? You're down there. Yeah. You left. You left it really open, uh, you know, until quite the end. I mean, I know that you knew what you were doing, but it was you were still quite hopeful, <laughs> I think, and you were still a little bit nervous, weren't you, that it would all kind of come together in the end? But I think it's come together beautifully, and it's actually a great project to to indicate that sort of place to be. You know, you found the place to be that you made your own zone by using those strategies of display. And I think yeah. that that's been incredibly successful, actually. Well, the, other, the other real plus, I think, of Fiona's project is that it does comment on the relationships that form between artists who are participating in a new or the new alumni. And, um, you know, in Melbourne, that's very strong. And I think that's interesting that that's, that's been tied in with her projects that have been in response and conversation to both Justine yeah. and Dan Moynihan. Yeah, it's a, nice, it's a nice nod to the fact that it's a community that makes these things. Correct. Communities make culture. Yep. Uh, communities make, um, you know, socialisations mm. within culture and that's very true. And, it, you know, it nicely follows on from the collaborative thing that we did last year, last year yeah. too, which was also terrific. Tim, welcome. Thank you. You heard Tim's work before. It was the sort of um, metallic-y, raining kind of sound that sort of stretches and pulls between the space in a kind mm, of way. Yeah. It is rain, isn't it? It is rain, yeah. It's um, sort of recordings of raindrops hitting a number of different materials. Um, so, yeah, it's rain. But, you've, but. <laughs> you've, you've put it through a kind of process, haven't you? Um, you've kind of made it metallic almost in a, in a kind of way, or, or mechanical in yeah, a fashion. Um, and I think sort of, having, sort of having this space to show it and maybe influence that to a degree because, as well. Because you're reading off the because space. It's, because, yeah, um, but... And also the way that it's getting reproduced is actually vibrating the glass 
of the windows. Yeah, so, so that so that adds a, a sort of tonal colour to so it. So it's like the building well. of a drum or something, or it has a kind of yeah, acu- acoustic it's, deliverance. To it's, the work. it's not a full spectrum of sound that this yeah. space creates. It's interesting yeah. how sound is coming into the picture, so to yeah. speak, in visual arts these days, and mm-hmm. how we begin to realise that it it has a it has a weight, if I might use that kind of analogy in mm. a fashion. It's got a kind of bulk about yeah. it, and we begin to feel as though it has uh, resistive parts and, and parts that we can sort of permeate and mm. sink, sink into and go through. I think it's quite interesting the way I notice from the front door where we first encounter the work to over here, it, it does seem to kind of hold the space somewhat, yeah. quite, quite sort of structurally. And it gives attention to perhaps, as you were saying, the, mm-hmm. the surfaces of things and you know, the mm. containment of, yeah. of this space. I mean, certainly one of the things for us uh, is that the, the foyer often needs um, a bit of an animated lift with you know, sound and things like that. Mm. And so it, it is interesting to me too because it changes the way people behave in the space. Mm. They're actually uh, a little bit... I mean, I'm not certain this is your intent and I wouldn't want to give you know, a claim to that, mm. but it, it does mean that they feel sort of quite comfortable to speak quite loudly mm. uh, and, mm. and you know, chat and, and you know, have opinions about things and linger a little bit and so forth which is actually nice. I mean, it's, mm. you don't think of sound as being um, socially orchestrating, but I think it can be yeah. in a kind of fashion. Mm. Oh, are you okay? <laughs> another storm of sound. He burped. Um, <laughs> it's just another sound um, yes, right. piece. <laughs> yeah. were, were, were you thinking that um, it would work both inside and out when you, when you first thought about the work, or did that evolve when you were... Um, actually in situ and thinking about the space? No, it was sort of part of it from sort of the very inception. Um, I mean, I guess an opportunity like this is sort of one of the few to actually encounter sound as a physical thing rather than sort of a durational performance or a record or something like that. So it's sort of, it's not demanding attention um, and sort of like with a fixed duration, Um, but it is sort of physically there um, but also in lots of ways this is like it's a very reflective space it's hard to sort of have a very definite sound or a certain narrative and so from the outset I was sort of looking for something that's sort of blurry and background That's interesting, so you see the space as a kind of um, a a slippery kind of um, ungraspable kind of space Yeah to a degree I mean mean, is that because of the kind of material and the the glitz in it and, you know... Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess sort of the... Um, yeah, the glitziness is... There's, this, there's a sound equivalent to that, which is sort of... It, it's hard to do something very precise. Um, what, what, what do you think is going to happen now with, with sound and artworks? Because it is a weird territory, isn't it? I mean, there's, there are people who wouldn't necessarily talk about themselves as, as sound people within the visual art context. Yeah. They, they would be more like sound engineers almost who are creating perhaps ambient spaces with mm. sound. Then there'd be people like uh, David Chesworth and Sonia Lieber who we've seen here who predominantly work with voice and that is a very different mm. kind of sound piece. Again, there's Susan Phillips who of course we know very well who works again with the human voice and emotion and things yeah. of this sort. It's, I mean, it's very vast and it's very different in every mm. instance, isn't it? So where, where, where do you think sound will reside in visual arts, or can we not say? I think it's hard to pin it down. Um, I mean, I guess sound is 
sort of present in a lot of works, whether it's the main focus, um, and sort of when it does become the main focus or there's no particular visual referent, like here, um, it is sort of, it's, it's hard to pin down in a way, but I think sort of in the way that um, an audience experiences art at this moment in time, um, there's no reason why it can't fit, you know, in terms of visiting a gallery and sort of being present in a space and observing what's around them. Yeah, are you, are you when you're doing this, are you thinking about some of the history of this practice too? Um, uh, so, some, some of the work that's come through from, say, minimalist uh, yeah, sound. Yeah, abso and, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Cage yeah. and people like that, but not just caged. Mm. I mean, there were a number of people who were using um, mechanical sounds and things of that sort. Is, yeah. is, is that something that well, is of interest to you? Yes, yeah, I mean, it's definitely of interest. Um, I mean, I think in sort of a case like this, sort of the sound artist label or whatever, um, is maybe more relevant than otherwise because it's not sort of it's, there's not a compositional element to it in terms of duration, and I think that's sort of quite important for this project for me. Um, that it sort of doesn't matter how much of it you actually experience or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's always history to it, and I think um, sort of people are becoming maybe more and more aware that it's sort of less separate. To the visual arts than I like than very before. much uh, yeah. the combination of Tim and Justine's work because um, in a in a in a sort of I mean in my mind anyway as a viewer um, coming fresh to what you've done uh, in my mind they actually have a sort of compatibility um, there's your sort of slightly what I would call crunchy sound there's yeah. a sort of crunchiness to Tim's rain sounds and then there is Justine your frenzied crunchy, yeah, pinsley, yeah. frantic kind of sound and action that goes You are mad, aren't you? I know. <laughs> but it is a wonderful kind of madness, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it seems to me to be like pulling all the way through the 20th century and bringing, bringing along a whole host of things that we, we haven't acknowledged all that well, and yet um, linking to those things that we have revered. I'm speaking specifically of, we revere, for instance, the work of people like Paul McCartney, um, Vito Acconci, um, uh, Mike Kelly, yep. uh, you know, all, all, of those, all of those guys who are, you know, sort of using yep. that trance-like, Performa yeah. performative kind of thing. But we've tended to forget, haven't we, that in fact there were people back in Dada and, uh -huh. and the early period of the avant-garde um, who were doing this, who were women, in yeah, fact. Exactly. And I'm thinking of not just, you know, the Baroness who was um, a person who worked with Duchamp, but I'm also thinking slightly more recently of people like Joan Jonas, uh -huh. who we saw here in um, Gestures and Procedures last year. Yeah. And, a, and a group of people like that who... For, for whatever reasons, I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, one could say, I suppose, the patriarchy um, didn't get quite the attention that some of the boys got. I think you're doing a mighty job of, <laughs> <laughs> of getting our own back. Yeah, in, in that's a kind exactly of right. It's a, it's a wonder to behold the mix master going around and, uh, and the costumes that you make, which are all cut up from like popular media, aren't they? Yeah. Is this a commentary? I mean, are you... Are you so, sorry, say that again? Is this a commentary? Are you particularly focused on 
the glossy magazine and the way, the way it kind of um, features and, and positions the body, for instance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, originally the, the costume was actually just my own the photo my photographs and I had this idea that I kind of wanted to get inside the photograph, hey, like or make the 2D, 3D. So I became the photograph by chopping up all my photographs and kind of embodying that. And then from there, you know, and, and then I was going to re-photograph the photograph. But, you know, in doing this, I kind of realised that because I'm a bit speedy and everything, that I kind of needed a moving image. And so the video was just what I used. And from there, I beca that became the medium that I use, but moving along from that is that f now it's not just photograph, I've realised it's just the image, hey? It's, it, and it's particularly the glossy magazine uh, without too many words. Well, I like it when it's just, you know, nice and colourful. <laughs> you know? So you fold it over and it's all just pretty, you know? But it is just the image within the image within the image for me to make that. But, well, that was actually talking about... Sorry, I'm being tangential here, but... Um, with relation to sound for me, not that I have any history with that whatsoever, but a part of that kind of was that I wanted to bring sound or some kind of sonic resonance to the silence of photography. You know, so that was a part of that, was that by making this costume I started to move and by moving, and it wasn't, it wasn't until I started to do it that I realised this, so as I was moving there was this shh, ah, sound and that's what, yeah. and it wasn't until I came back and looked at the footage that I thought, oh my God, this is kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. And it was, you know, this kind of friction and the rubbing up against, you know, anyway, yeah. I think that's interesting too in terms of some of your other elements of practice, which were um, that little booklet we made, Four yes. Plus Factors, this is some time ago now, yeah. which were in fact these sort of, um, you can't even do it probably anymore with digital, you know, but they were the analogue photographs of blurs and things like that. I think. What you're describing there about putting some kind of sound and movement into the still image is actually something that you were activating at that time. You didn't want to kind of set certain image. You wanted a more mercurial, um, shifting kind of thing, didn't you? A more yeah. atmospheric kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And it was also kind of just also looking at the overlook. That's going back to what you're talking about, just looking back in history now. So I think even the fact that they were blurry, I was kind of always kind of taking... taking taking photos of what was up close and what was overlooked and I'm kind of doing that again now within history so it's a different thing but I'm you know I'm kind of interested in that kind of obsolescence or the overlooked and things that um, people don't usually look at and bringing it to the surface somehow I don't know yeah is, is, like, the work is looped yeah, yeah. so yeah. We're, we're not are we really are we experiencing durational behavior here or does it seem so because it's um, elongated by well, the looping? Yeah, well, that's actually for this work, which is actually a little bit different to previous um, videos in that, um, okay, it's always just, so the cardboard paper, it's all a bit crappy, takes a long time, but really, the, basically when I, I shoot it and it only lasts for that performance. So that performance could be five minutes and then it breaks down and that's kind of it and then I have to loop it for that five minutes and make and then cut and paste like I do with a photograph or something like that. But this one, I kind of actually, it went for 40 minutes, one of them. So I kind of feel like it's a performance just for one in that it's for the camera and for the person, I'm actually using the person who can, like a, a camera operator now. Previously it was just myself but so I feel like it's just a performance for one, but then I kind of, it gets shown so many times over. So it's this um, 
yeah, a fragment, I don't know, yeah. And you've also picked out, and you've also picked out certain parts of the yes, performance yes. to replay. Yeah, like, I mean, that's a part of that actually also breaking up the image with lots of different yeah. screens, is that it's not just this durational performance that you just see and you have to endure. I kind of want it, because that's why I feel like we are today. We click, we tap, we upload, we flash, and I kind of feel like, so even though it's this old, referencing this old school kind of 1960s or whatever, or you know, back, back in the day, Cabaret Voltaire kind of performance, by actually then mediating it through the yeah. screen and breaking it up, it's kind of, I kind of feel like you don't, you're kind of getting a bit of everything. And I feel, I want people to enter the video at any particular stage, as if you would tell it like, telly. just telly, yeah. exactly. So yeah. you don't actually need a history, even though it comes from all this stuff, it doesn't matter. You can. I, I hope that people will get yeah, whatever it's like, they. It's, it's like a continuous yet broken narrative. Yeah. Because it's 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 dealing with the kind of um, saturation that we have with media, the kind of frenzy of information and the overload, yeah, which yeah. I very much get from your work. I feel as though you're enacting our, our own kind of circumstances of now, where we're we're literally being kind of deluged by That's right. so much stuff, and you know you don't really know how to absorb it. You can't really you know, synthesise it down. So, you know, you, you're kind of buried under it. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it's, you know, constantly moving in things. So it's a kind of continuous yet broken narrative. Decentering. There's a decentering there, you know. And even the fact that I've kind of done these... I feel like sometimes... I know this doesn't even... I didn't mean to do it, but I kind of feel like it's Gilligan's Island. Like there's an island of TVs here and an island of TVs there. And it's kind of this decentering or this islands or this... They all work as one, but at the same time you can just... You can watch one video or you can watch it... You can experience it hopefully as... You know, as an entire an experience yeah. of sort of seasickness, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a kind of disequilibrium in a kind of way. Yeah. Are you in it like a trance when you sort of doing this kind of thing? Because yeah. you, you do you do seem to just you know, kind of go with it really, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, it and it becomes this sort of quite frenzied behaviour. Well, I, I don't think you could necessarily sustain if you were thinking about it. No, because what happens is, uh, um, this one it took me about four weeks, so it was really quick. So I had to go. You know, trying to make all this stuff, and I'm doing the paper, and I'm doing the thing, and then sticking all the stuff together, and I'm like, yeah, okay, so I've got this amount of time to do it, right? But I know what I want to do, so I do it. I'm making, 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 making costume, costume, costume. To get the person, okay, comes to the day, and then you're just like, okay. I, so I kind of like give myself an object. I give myself a a cement mixer, a glass, and then the object, and then the costume, and then I just kind of get, and then I kind of, um, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I kind of present myself with stuff that I kind of. Um, can probably, it'll be easy for me when it comes to the shooting. So then the, the camera goes on, I put the thing on, and then I just start to, usually I use a radio. A radio for me, this freq frequency thing, I need to go in and out, in and out, in and out. It's about going in and out, and I like that idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, into it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, and then so I kind of get into it, and then I don't know, it's just nice, and I kind of feel like it's, I just, it's a good feeling, and I don't know, it's nice. But it takes a while sometimes. But do you know when I did that and that took 40 minutes, at the end I didn't realise it was 40 minutes. So I was like, everyone goes, they said to me, you know, that was 40 minutes. I was like, oh my God, I didn't realise that. It did not feel like that at all. So, yeah. <laughs> she has a lot of energy. <laughs> You used to be a tap dancer, weren't you? Yeah, I will, I will, I will. I was a tap dancer. You, I you got can clogs. Tap. I can do a cloggy tap they're, dance. They're very good. Look, you and Hannah, are both, you should have yeah. worn red shoes too, Tim. <laughs> Come Look, on, Tim. They're, Come they're, on, they're Tim. showing you, you up big time thing. there. They've nicely matched themselves to the logo, um, <laughs> which is good. Um, do you think performance is, is... I feel performance is coming up as a very vital 
kind of activity just at the moment. And I wonder if it's perhaps again because it's going back a little bit to what one can do individually yeah. against a kind of tide of, of other things. Is that something that has resonance for yeah, you? Yeah, well, for me too, I feel like there's this... Um, we don't feel like we're in the... This is how I just feel. I don't know how it is out there, but I understand there is this... Performance is also good because you don't need stuff. You can just do it, huh? But for me too, it also... I feel like um, it's... like I equiv The equivalent for me is like jet lag. This kind of... I feel like there's the, that much... Elect like we're doing all this kind of digital stuff out there and then we, we have this distance from the body. And I feel like somehow we actually want to get back into the body somehow. Maybe that's a sound thing as well. I don't know. Like it's... So that's where the, just for me, it's this kind of bringing yourself back into the body and um, connecting. Yeah, yeah, centering, exactly. And that's where, that's that decentering, centering, I don't know, yeah. yeah no, I think, I mean, we're currently working with so no, many no, but, yeah. people who have two, two streams, in a sense, to their practice. They, they have, you know, um, a kind of exhibiting practice that requires walls and things, but we also have a number of people that we're currently working with who really, I think are very interested in this performative aspect of things. And I guess, you know, Hannah, you know, looking back at some of those avant-garde strategies that we saw coming through the 60s into the 70s when um, authoritarianism was being questioned, where you wanted to do it for yourself, where the apparatus of the institution perhaps was something to um, move away from because it was, it was being framed by a, a wrong kind of modernism in a sort of way yeah. that had inspired a almost totalitarian kind of attitude yeah. in well, that return, some ways. Well, that re return to the body is, you know, if you're in control, you're, you're absolutely the author, it can be carried out anywhere, it's economical, it's mobile, and um, politically it's relying on nothing else but oneself, and I think that's a big thing in your work as yeah, well yeah, that I find. Right. Of that ever. That's that data cabaret. I mean, yeah. that's where they went straight to the. We body. love data. Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, it, it all starts. <laughs> we'll all I love the way too, Hannah. That you know, there's just little traces that pick up here and there with Justine's work, the crunching with Tim, but also the colour, which you know then references Shane's work here, yeah. uh, which drift you know in other ways to Rebecca, etc. And then the other things that gather all the way through. I think it's a really um, well-crafted show, if I may say, and, and even though it's not intended, in my mind, ever to be a thematic, mm. I think there are a number of sub-themes that travel through the whole event, which I think for an audience, at least I like to hope for the audience, makes it easier for you to navigate some of the new strategies that the new artists are employing. I'm sure you're anxious to go and see it, so I think that we will leave it there also, I'm aware that there's a huge number of you standing. So thanks so much for coming. That is this year's new, curated by Hannah Matthews, including all of those people out there. Joanna Abacar, Rebecca Bauman, Tim Costa, Greatest Hitch, Shane Haseman, Mark Hilton, Dan Monaghan, Brendan Van Heck, Justine Williams, and Annie Wu. Thanks.